0: We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, and uh, let me say I, I could not be any more encouraged and blessed and inspired by that uh, presentation, Brother Mayor, that's a real blessing, that's right in line with what the Lord's put on our hearts as a church here, and I say our hearts because I'm not a, I'm not a church, I'm just one man, and this, this church, thank you very much. This church uh, has, a, has a burden for lost people, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does. How many people in Toledo and surrounding areas? Six hundred thousand in the surrounding areas, and uh, Toledo and surrounding. And what, what that means is we got our work cut out for us. And uh, people can get saved, and they will get saved. But we have to set our souls. Ask God to set our souls afire. And we have to be faithful. We have to be consistent. And it goes along with Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He lays it up. Where is he laying it up? Well, it's in, it's in the treasure box called the Bible. That's where he lays up his wisdom. He said, He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of, His saints. This is one of the major themes of Proverbs the idea of a path, of a way, of a street. Over and over again, it talks about this, and in this passage specifically, it mentions the word path over and over and over again. Notice it says, He keepeth the paths of judgment, preserveth the way of His saints. He's speaking about a path that is protected. Does anyone remember where there was a way that was kept very early in the Bible? It, said, it says, the phrase is, to keep the way of the, who said it? What is it? The tree of life. To keep the way of the tree of life. It's a way that was kept. Unfortunately, it was a way that was kept and protected against humans. It was a way that was, it, it, that God had, had, had allowed, there was a path to the tree of life. Why uh, Adam and Eve were not interested in the tree of life? Partly because Satan wasn't tempting them to take the tree of life, he was tempting them to take the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what happened is they took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that fruit, and then God put cherubim's, To keep the way of the tree of life. Why? It was only for those that were allowed to eat from the tree of life. That path was only for them. And it was protected by cherubim with a flaming sword. In this passage, we find that there is a way that is protected by God. But just as in Genesis chapter 3, you can choose to step out of that path. Now, we're not talking tonight, and I hope you understand this, about what Jesus Christ does to birth a person into his family. That is called salvation. It's called eternal life. We sometimes call it eternal security. It is knowing that I am going to heaven not because of what I have done for God, but because of what God has done for me. But until I get to heaven, I have the ability to step out of the path that is protected by God, just as as Adam and Eve did, and God actually protected that path against Adam and Eve. We see the same concept and the same choice here in in Proverbs chapter 2. He says, look at verse 8, He, that is God, keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Verse 9, Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, Yea, every, every good path. A path is a track that's worn by the feet of people or animals that are treading on it. A path is a habit. And I want you to think about your Christian life as a series of habits. Habits. Over and over and over and over again. Especially... In the New Testament, the the letters written to the New Testament church, the word walk is mentioned over and over and over and over and over. God is very interested in you walking in a good path. But a good path is something that you choose to do, something that I choose to do. What we like to think of is, we like to think that people are either born great or they're born losers. They're either great people or they're just average people. There's some really bad people too, but most of them are just average, right? It's interesting to note that in the scripture, the Lord does not really put a big premium on great men. He mentions great men, but you'd be surprised the kind of people that God says are great men. Abner is one that David called a great man. Abner, does anybody even know who Abner is? The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes we use the fact that we're not great as an excuse to be whatever we want. And what God is looking for is not someone who is this great man of God. In fact, Proverbs warns us, great men are not always wise. God's not looking for you to be great. He's looking for you to walk in the right path. And let greatness take care of itself. Instead of trying to be amazing, just do what's right. And how do you do that? By establishing habits that are as simple as walking. One foot, next foot, next foot. Very simple. You say, this is really, really basic. I know. It's surprising how many of us don't get it down. It's really simple. Life is nothing more than a series of choices that we make. And a path is actually a, a guideline, it's actually a protected series of habits. If you choose a good path, that series of habits is protected against wrong and evil, as we'll see. If you choose a bad path, that path is actually protected, not by God or anyone else, it's actually protected You and I protect that evil path from right. Isn't that crazy? You think, I I can't. I can't. I can't. Who can't? Me. I'm the one that's actually preventing good from being the habit of my life. I'm the one. God's not doing it. I'm the one. And you see this in in this, uh, this passage. A habit is a routine or behavior that is performed regularly. Christian life does not happen out of the blue. It is a series of choices. Success is the product of daily habits. Your outcomes your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. What you have right now is the harvest of the habits that you've been sowing. This is a hard one to swallow. The reason why I don't have a good outcome right now is because of what I've been sowing in my past. So here's the number one rule. If you're in a hole and you're trying to get out, what's the number one rule? Stop digging. If you're on the wrong path and you're enjoying a horrible, wicked, dark Satanic harvest, number one, stop doing what you were doing that got you here. Don't do it. It's very simple. Boy, don't you wish I could say every head bowed and every eye closed. It is that simple, but I want to tacker her down real good as we go through some of these verses. Your uh, Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. The reason why you think the way you think is because of the thoughts you've been having. The reason why you have relation, your relationships are the way they are is because of how you have treated people up to this point. The reason why your finances are the way that they are is because of the decisions that you made with your money before today. Now, the Bible says, "...whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption." And he that soweth to the Spirit shall love the Spirit, reap life everlasting. I've heard many a message and many a warning about bad outcomes, and that is right, but that's only the first part of the verse. It is possible for you to have awesome relationships. It is possible for you to do everything that you can do to have enough money for your family. We understand there's, there's exceptions to that rule. It is possible for you to see people saved and to have the joy of the Lord because you've been reaching out to try to get lost people saved. It's possible for you to have that. You you can have a lot of wonderful things in the Christian life as harvest, but you have to be on the right path. And what is the path? It's just a place that is trodden by your feet. You're walking, 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 walking. Well, how far? Well, just as long as you want to be in the right path. If you ever step outside of that path, you're going to be in the wrong path. Now, I'm going to read some verses to you, and I want you to hang tight. Are you ready? Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. just man falleth seven times, riseth again. The Bible says in Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Now, I'm going to go through these verses. I'm going to point to you, and I want you to say the word walk when we do it. Okay? What do you think? Let's try it. If you don't want to, you just don't have to say it. Here we go. It's very simple. In Romans 13, verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day. 1 Corinthians 7.17, But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Galatians 5.16, 5, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That one's pretty easy. Galatians 5.25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This is God's plan for us to walk. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Ephesians 4.17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Ephesians 5.2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Ephesians 5, 8, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, we could go on and on, and here's the thing, the problem with these verses, and not that they're not good, is that sometimes we kind of lose it because it's the same, 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 same. Do you realize, though, how many times the Lord told you how to have a Christian life? You see, the Christian life is not an exciting Poof of emotion in your heart you know I, I can tell you I've worked here at this church since 2004 and I can't tell you how many times I've walked from the parking lot into the building sometimes when I walk into the, in the parking lot uh, from the parking lot into the building I am not thinking about anything I'm just you know in there I go sometimes I walk towards it and I, I'm excited as I come into the building this is where I work right and, and I work with you all too, and connect with you around the you know around the city. Sometimes when I get out of my car and I walk into the church, you know what I feel like? I don't want to be here. I feel like this. It doesn't matter anyhow. Nobody really cares. See, I'm just like you. I'm no I'm no different than you. I I think there's no hope. Toledo doesn't give a rip. All they want to do is smoke pot. Right. That's what you feel like sometimes, and get around me. That's all the, the, what people want to do is get around me, on the highway. Right? Why? Because my emotions go up and my emotions go down, and if I base my Christian life on how I feel, well, I tell you what, I tell you what. Wait till missions conference comes along. Well, that just puts it just fires me up, and it does. But you know, if that's true, I can only serve God, get excited about the Lord and his word during missions conference. I'll tell you what'll do it though, Bible conference. If you haven't been to Bible conference, forget it. Bible conference is awesome, amen? It's wonderful. But if I'm waiting to Bible conference to get me fired up, you know what I'm really doing? I'm saying, I'll walk with you, God, up there. When, When you do something that makes me happy, I'll start walking with you. Can I just tell you, you don't have to feel anything to walk. Just put one foot in front of the other. And what, you want, what the devil wants to tell you is, yeah, because as soon as you walk, then you're going to be happy. <laughs> fail. It's not true. Now, I tried walking one time, and it, you know, I got hurt worse than I've ever hurt. You know, I tried that, and I fail, I failed. You don't have to worry about how many times you've fallen how many times you stopped walking, how you wish you could run, you know what you should do? Walk. And what does walk mean? Oh, here's one basic one. Oh, my soul. Son, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I am in my life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how it going. You ever felt that way? You ever been alive before? You felt that way? Walking is this. I'm going to take a step And open my Bible, and I may never feel anything today about God or the Bible, but I am going to walk in the Word. Okay? I'm going to walk by putting one foot in front of the other. You don't have to get to the end of the race. By the way, it's not a race in that sense. It's not a who's going to win, who's not going to win. It's a matter of how Christ-like are you going to be on this earth. That's what Paul means when he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about being as Christ-like here on this earth as he will be when he gets to heaven. He wants to be an example of Jesus Christ. He said that I may win Christ. When? Well, he already has Christ. He's not talking about a prize some people get Jesus and some don't. He's talking about winning Christ is living a life of victory right now. You can have it. How do I walk? Here's how you walk. You open your Bible, and you read. Well, I know, I mean, I probably need to do that. So you're not not doing it. If you don't read your Bible, you can't walk with the Lord. It's very simple. If you do read your Bible, in that area of your life, you are walking the Christian life. You're actually doing it. What's another one? Very simple. Pray. Pray. Does anybody have this, this idea where we're, prayer is this thing that we've got to build up to? Like, you've got to really feel it, because it's invisible. Like, it's one thing to read your Bible, but prayer is something different. No, prayer is walking in the Spirit. Take a step, Christian, walk. I'm really excited about our theme for next year, and it's, it's very basic. It's called One Step Closer. One Step Closer. One step closer to who? To Christ. And how do you get there? Not by becoming an amazing Christian. By taking one step. Is this walking? Kind of. See, if that's, that's, that really determines what you think, Christian. Whether you think this is walking or not. Is that walking? Kind of is, kind of not. See, what the devil tells you, though, that's not walking. I'll tell you what walking is. This is walking. That's real Christianity. When you're fired up and you're doing it for real, sick and tired of these wimpy Christians all over the world, right? Can I just remind you, there is no such thing as this without this. The reason why you haven't prayed is because you're not willing to do this. The reason why you haven't gotten out of gospel track to anybody is because you're, you're not willing to do this. The reason why you haven't gotten anything out of your Bible, I say this because this is like some supernatural spiritual thing that getting something out of your Bible. You don't get something out of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is in you, and as you're reading it, he speaks to you. That's what it means to get something out of the Bible. It's not some magic hocus-pocus. As you read the word... The spirit of God in you resonates with the word that he wrote down. And it may not happen every single time you read your Bible. You don't go to it in order to get some special nugget. You go to it because you're supposed to walk. And if I'm going to walk with God, I've got to take a step whether I feel like it or not. Well, I know what I don't know. I know one of these days I'm about to take a step. And, I, and I, I don't think I have the strength in me right now to get over there, but when I have the strength to go, you know what? You're never gonna, it's never going to happen, is it? You need to take a step. How long has it been since you have taken a step in your Christian life? We don't talk about giving a lot here, because frankly, I don't think there's a huge emphasis on make sure you give, 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 give in the sense of money. I think God wants you, in the Bible, that is, uh, in the New Testament, God wants the whole person. But let me ask you this question. When's the last time you gave to God? Something. Anything. If you're not willing to give one thing, whether that be a meal, whether that be time, whether that be prayer, you're not willing to give one thing, you're never going to walk in that. You see, we all want the habit without the first step. We all want to be known as as, as faithful, consistent prayer warriors, but we don't want to pray well, I can't pray like they used to pray the fire down. Guys, stop with the fire down. Okay? The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. He's not coming again like that. You know where the Holy Spirit is? Sealed inside of you. That's where he is. You don't have to find him. He's in here. You need to surrender to him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, man. I heard a great message. When I, if I ever find another great message like that, I'm gonna, no. Take a step. One step. You say it's too basic. I know. It really is. It's so basic that we don't do it. You know how to become a millionaire? Save money and make good investments. That's how it is. It's nothing magical. In fact, the millionaire today is like the guy of 100,000 100, guy, you know, 25, 30 years ago, almost. It's getting that bad. And, and not only that, our money is, our, 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 our value is going down, but still, there's a lot of very, I got great riches in America. There are more and more and more people that are becoming millionaires by the age of 30. Yeah, the money's devalued a little bit, but still. You know why? People are teaching others how to be rich, they're teaching them how to invest, and people are doing it. How do you get there? You get there by taking the first step. Now, let's look at what he says here. Look at chapter uh, 2 of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2 verse 10. He says, "When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul." Okay, well that's that's very simple to read, but notice wisdom and knowledge, where do we get that? Look at verse 6. "The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his knowledge cometh, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom." Where do you get wisdom? Where do you get knowledge? You get it from the Lord. Wisdom and knowledge powers our walk. When you get that wisdom into you, okay, now you can do something with it. When you get that knowledge inside. How many of you have ever said, I didn't get your text. No, I sent it. I know I sent it. Well, I never got it. Why? There's an antenna in your phone. And that antenna connects with cell phone towers, and that little piece of information comes over, and your phone receives it, takes it in. By the way, how many remember the old Palm Pilots before there was access to the internet? Anybody remember? I remember the company, Palm Pilot. They had a Palm Pilot, that was the original one. And uh, you couldn't get on the internet. You had to download everything through a, you know, a serial cable from your computer. And uh, I used to, you know, have, I always liked to have that. Never got anything done, but I like to have opportunity to get something done at some point, maybe if I ever wanted to. And I had a little Palm Pilot there. And then over time, it got connected to uh, Wi-Fi. This is before phones were connected like that. You didn't have a planner. And so for you had a calendar, but you had like 17 buttons you had to push to get to the calendar. And rotate through the flip phone remember that and then over time those those two things started coming together you know now the, it's it's seamless everything is delivered instantly to your phone but you want to watch pe- people feel uncomfortable you want to talk about separation anxiety take someone's phone away from them right it's just it's just part of our culture now and i think we got to be very careful one of these days maybe i'll be you know man enough to preach a message on phones i have to get rid of my phone first but uh but it's, it's just, it's, it's part of our culture. It's systemic. It's everywhere. And now, there's hardly a bit of difference. People, some people don't have computers. Remember, a computer was a thing to have. Not a computer, you've got a phone. You can do everything on your phone. And so what's happening is, all that information is, is coming, constantly coming to your phone. You don't have to connect it. You used to have to connect. I would to listen to a podcast. I'd connect to my computer, and it would download multiple podcasts onto. Why? Because it didn't have any connectivity. It wasn't receiving anything. Now, it's automatic. What, what's automatic? The receiving. The receiving. You see what it says in verse number 10? When wisdom entereth into thine heart. When your antenna is receiving the signal from God. You've got an antenna. It's going to receive something. It's meant to. But if it's not tuned to God, if, it's not, if you don't have, uh, if you will, a plan that allows you to access that that, that t- antenna, that, that tower, then you're not going to get the information. You ever go to another country where your plan is not uh, honored, your phone company is, is not existent, or perhaps um, you go outside of your area for coverage? It can be frustrating. Why? The thing might as well be a brick. You know what happens in the Christian life? We have all the material, we have the system, but we lack the connectivity. We're not receiving the signal from God. Here, he said, when it enters in, it's going to perform some things. What's it going to do? Well, first of all, notice, it has to enter into your heart, not just into your head. It's got to be something that you want to know and something you enjoy. Knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Watch what it says. Discretion. Discretion, verse 11. That's the ability to perceive and understand. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Here is how the, walk, the path, the walk of the Christian is preserved. What's interesting is, the more you take in from God, the better able you are to take in from God. The more you take into your soul from the Lord, the more you want to take into your soul from the Lord. The longer you wait and push and say, I'm going to get to it, the longer it takes for you to have the ability to preserve your walk with the Lord. It's a very interesting, interesting uh, feature. What does it do? It protects our walk from what? Verse 12. Protects our walk from the path of death. Proverbs 2.12. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. We'll talk about that in a minute. Froward. It delivers thee from the way. You see, this evil man has his own path, his own way, that he is walking. And how is he using it? He is, he is walking this way. One of the features is he speaks froward things. So discretion and understanding will protect you from this bad path. Who told you your first cuss word? Do you remember? Who showed you your first bad picture? Who gave you the first drink of alcohol that you can remember? Can I tell you, it was somebody that was involved in that. Someone made it possible for you. You didn't sit around and try to, I wonder what a bad word would be. I wonder if it would be this. No, someone said it. You heard it. Why? They had a habit of saying that. They had a habit of drinking that hey, somebody has a habit of producing that material. That's why you're able to see it. Right? What does wisdom and, and, and discretion do? It pre- preserves you from those habits, those people that do those things. You know, you got to be careful with watching television because those people are only saying what American, the American public is okay with them saying. Okay? And there's habits. The writers have. Ha- I'm thankful that there's a strike in Hollywood right now for the writers. I'm really thankful. That doesn't mean there's going to be less evil, but maybe just for a little while there's fewer trash movies being put out. I don't know. And I'm very thankful for that. I hope the whole thing just goes into a sinkhole. Wouldn't that be great? Now, somebody else would come up with it somewhere else. Why? Because we like to watch it. You know, what we do, we excuse it. We say, well, it's no big deal. Ah, it's no big deal. Got to be careful. Because if you're hanging out with people who have that habit, guess what that's going to do to the way that you have, are trying to protect? It's going to destroy it. The way that you're trying, that God wants to protect, will be destroyed. Look at this. He says, verse number 13, who leaveth the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. That tells us about this path of death. It is chosen. The path of death is chosen. I leave the path of uprightness. Why? It's stiff. I don't want to stand upright. I want to relax. You know what I used to tell my kids when they were little? Stand up straight when I'm talking to you. Like I'm getting, you know, I'm trying to get something across. Stand up straight. Why? It is proven that when you are standing up straight and you are locked in, you will focus better. Upright. When you're you're kicked back on on your couch and relaxed, like, hey, you know what we should do? Maybe we should go and do something... Nobody wants to do anything. But when you're focused, you're standing up straight, you're more likely. But the path of death chooses to go away from that. Verse number 13. Look at verse 14. What does it look like? Here's what it looks like. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. Hmm. That's the second time that word frowardness is coming out. What is the path of death? The path of death is chosen, how? By rejoicing in death. Sin. Rejoicing. He said, rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. What makes you laugh? What do you giggle at? What do you forward to your friends? What do you like? You've got to be careful of that. Because it establishes a pattern. He said, this path is is one that is chosen and it is chosen by rejoicing in sin. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 1, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We've got to be careful what we thumbs up, what we heart, what we like. Well, I, I, would, I would never do that. Well, then you probably shouldn't be liking it either. Hey, this is how you leave the path of uprightness, by rejoicing in in evil. Look at verse number 15. The path of death is chosen through rebellion, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths. Froward is the opposite of toward. Toward. We say toward, don't we? Some people say toward. The opposite is froward. It means perverse. It means turned against. It means Adverse. It means to turn away from. Instead of turning to, you're turning away from. You see see this? The ways are crooked, and they forward in their paths. You know the reason why the ways are crooked? Because they're walking this way, and they keep jerking over this way. They're leaving the path. So you read in your Bible one day, and then you... uh, No wonder you're crooked. This is how you walk. You read the Bible, and then you read the Bible... And then you read the Bible, and then you read the Bible, and then you read the Bible. You say, how many times do we have to read the Bible? Well, the Lord said, it's bread. He said, the, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It's as natural as breathing. How many times do you have to breathe? You just keep breathing. How many times do you have to drink? You just keep drinking. Why? He said, this is how you live for me. You walk. You got to keep doing it. Well, I'm tired of doing it. Okay, we well, you know what that means? You're, you, you're going to jerk over to another path. You're going to be crooked. And he said here, froward. Not toward the Lord, but froward. Then look what he says. This is scary. Verse 16. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Notice the path of death is chosen Through sexual rebellion. This is the strange woman. What is she doing? She is trying to get you off of the path of uprightness. And how is it working? She's strange. But notice her strategy. It's built on communication. She flattereth with her words. She's communicating something. She's not telling you the end result. She's telling you what you want to hear so that you will follow her. She's going to hurt you. How do you like like getting stabbed in the gut? That's what she's going to do to you. As a matter of fact, when the strange woman is done with you, you wish you would have been stabbed in the gut instead of what she does. It's nasty. Why? Here's here's her habit. This is her path. This is how she walks. You watch it. The people that are are, are pulling you away from God, they have this habit. Look at it, verse 17. Which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Her habit is to ignore godly counsel. Okay, so let me ask you this. Young people, think about this. The kind of friends that you have, when they're corrected, what do they say about the person after they're gone? That's how you know what kind of person it is. Okay, um, when 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 here's when the cop leaves after he pulls you over and reprimands you or gives you a ticket, what do you say about the cop? That tells you what kind of heart you have. When your boss corrects you and comes down on you and then leaves, what do you say about him? That shows where your heart is. Why? A froward heart forsakes and forgets. It was told something, and it says, I don't care. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. You know the reason why you struggle with bad habits? Because you ignored what people told you. You stopped doing what you knew was right, and you listened to the wrong habits, the the person with the wrong habits, and you followed her. You followed him. That's why you are where you are. It's not difficult to understand. What you have to do is, if you want to, you know, a lot of young people are doing this today, you need to deconstruct your bad habits. Not your Christianity, your sin. You need to deconstruct and go back and say, why did I get off the path? I'm saved. I've been given every advantage. God has blessed me. Here I am. I have a good church. I have good parents. I have good people around to support and love and pray for me. Why am I where I am? You've got to go back, and you, it's going to be because someone called you off that path, and you said, oh, I'd rather go on that path. You became crooked, and here we go. Now you're bent. And you know, once you get crooked like that and bent, when you walk this way, it feels kind of weird for a while because you're used to going that way. And nobody wants to be weird. That's like the worst thing ever, to be a weird Christian. I don't know what to tell you. You're not following them. No one of those people died on the cross for you. None of those people care about you for eternity. None of those people provide for you. None of those people intercede for you. They want to hurt you. They want to bring you down. They're not trying to help you. The only reason why you like them is because you think maybe something they can do for you. Jesus loved you when you were his enemy. And he still loves you today, even when you're not walking with him. That's how good our God is. He's worthy of following, even when it's not cool, even when it doesn't feel good. He's worthy of walking with. That's our God. He says, This woman forsakes and forgets. And what happens? Well, her habits combine and work together to produce a lifestyle of death. And if you stay on the road to her house, you will never be on the path of life. For her house, verse 18, inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. What does wisdom and knowledge do? Well, verse 10 tells you it'll power your walk. And it'll give you discretion and understanding. It will protect you from the path of death. This path right here. And then, look at verse 20. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. The end result here, of course, we understand this is talking to Israel, talking about how Israel will be able to survive in the millennium and avoid being deceived by the beast and the false prophet and, and, and how to, how to uh, survive through all of that tribulation and then how to live and how to keep from even following Satan when he comes back again and deceives the nations but practically for you and I as we walk day by day this path actually helps us to preserve what it is that God loves and what what we in our heart of hearts want to do to follow God but you got to take a step and then take another step and another step and if you will follow in this path you'll look back in the last month and you'll see oh i've had a path a trajectory I've had a habit of following God. Now, if you're like many people here tonight, you may feel, you know what? I used to walk that way, and I've stopped. You know the best thing to do? Don't take another step. Get down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. I've been walking my own way. I've been listening to this strange woman. I've been following my own habits, my own desires and lusts, and I'm asking you, God, to forgive me right now. And by God's grace, I'm going to get up. I'm going to take one step. I'm just going to read my Bible one day tomorrow. And I'm going to pray tomorrow. And I am going to focus on you. And I'm going to love you, Lord. And I'm going to try to implement what you tell me. And I'm just going to do it tomorrow. And I'll let Tuesday take care of itself. But I guarantee you, if you'll focus on one step, God will help you. And you'll look back and you'll see a chain of days in which the Lord has given you the victory. One step closer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we ask that you'd help us now because we are saved and born again, and yet we have this old nasty sin nature. We live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's so easy for us to forget. You want us to walk as children of light. I pray for... Someone perhaps tonight that would say, I just feel like I can't get up and take another step. Lord, you said, even the youth shall faint and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's what I'm asking for you tonight, Lord, that you would renew the strength of your people. Help us to shed the old paths, those old nasty habits. Help us to get back on the path of uprightness, and take a step. We ask in Jesus' name. Let's stand this, this evening, if you would, just for a moment.